Welcome to The Wonder, exploring perspectives, rituals, and observances of modern naturalistic, earth-revering, pagan religious paths. Here are your hosts, Yucca and Mark. Welcome back to The Wonder, science-based paganism. I'm your host, Mark, and this is our hundredth episode. We are so excited. We have been uh, talking with you and uh, presenting our ideas and kicking them around between uh, ourselves now for a hundred episodes, which is a <laughs> tremendous amount of talking. We're kind of shocked, actually. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't feel like that long. On the other hand, it really does feel like that long, but a hundred episodes. Yeah. Averaging about 40 minutes a piece. Yeah. So, you know, that's 4,000 minutes of, <laughs> of uh, conversation. And that is a long time. Uh, we'd have to do the math to figure out how many hours that is, but oh my God, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of talking. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, just under 67 hours. <laughs> geez. Yeah. yeah so, so almost three days straight. Yep. Of continual conversation. So that's, that's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. We are so grateful to you, our listeners, for continuing to listen to the podcast. And I'm glad that you're getting something out of it and hope that you continue to. And we really appreciate those that have uh, kind of bumped the podcast to others and encouraged them to check it out. We get new listeners all the time, and it's just very encouraging. We have new members of the community that come in having first heard of uh, these ideas and atheopaganism and non-theist science-based paganism through this podcast. So we're just really gratified at how well it's resonated once we started to do this. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. And and also thank you for the reviews and comments on platforms like um, iTunes, because that helps it get to more ears. Right. It, we're not super concerned about, oh, how many stars did we get? But the more stars that we do get, the more people get a chance to listen to it. And so we really appreciate all of those reviews that you have left us. So thank you. Right. A, a call out to Feedspot, which keeps ranking us in the top 10 pagan podcasts. Yes. Um, uh, in our first year, we were number nine in the top 10. And then in our second year, we were number eight in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very and, excited about that and really appreciate the, uh, the publicity. And number seven at the moment. Are we? We are, yes. Well. I don't think that we'll ever make it past, say, Druidcast or anything like I that. I don't think but, so uh, either. Yeah, there's some podcasts that's been, that have been going for a long time. But it's amazing to think that, wow, we're in our third year of this. Right, right. So, yeah, and we don't have as, as crazy good a name as Three Pagans and a Cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> plenty of cats, actually. We do. Yes. 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 We have plenty of, of cats, but, uh, but we didn't put it in the name of our podcast. So yeah, there you go. Anyway, thank you, everyone. This is a real milestone for us. When we started this, it was this great idea that Yucca had had, and I had been hoping to create a podcast for a long time. And when Yucca approached me and floated this idea, I said, well, hey, how about if we do this as a partnership? And it's just turned as turned out to be a great way of, of producing a, a recorded piece, a recorded channel. Yeah. And thank you. We've become really good friends over the last few years. Absolutely. I look I... forward to this every week. This is one of the highlights of my week is just to get out, get to hang out and talk with Mark about these cool topics and 
and share with all of you guys. I really feel the same way. So thank you so much, Yucca. Okay, well, that said, it's coming up on Equinox time. And that is the topic for today's uh, uh, podcast is uh, the spring equinox. And uh, here we are. Here we are again. Once again, this is our third episode to talk about the spring equinox uh, because we've just passed our two year anniversary as well. Mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense. I mean, there's 52 weeks in a year. So mm-hmm. if you're two years plus a few weeks old, you get to a hundred episodes. That's right. Uh, yeah. And there's we been took a couple a few times. weeks off. Yeah. You know, the sickness, you know, nothing major, but times where it just life just wouldn't let it happen. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It, it amazes me that there have been as few of those as there have yeah. actually, because we're both pretty busy and we're doing a lot of stuff and yet we've found the time for these conversations every weekend so that's pretty cool yeah so the spring equinox the vernal equinox or what i call high spring because where i live that's really what's going on now the hills are all green with bright new grass and wildflowers are blooming everywhere there's tons of california poppies and the milkmaids are already gone and we've got lupin that's blooming and there's just, uh, you know, the, the creeks are still running with water from the rains that we had, which are pretty much finished now. So it's a, it's a, a kind of a happy springy hopeful time when life is waking up again and we get to see all the beautiful results of that. Yeah. We were just talking about before, hitting the record button um, here and at my home, my daughter and I were noticing that the male finches are getting their color back. They don't completely lose it in the winter, but it gets a little bit more dull, but now they're getting the color back and you can hear them singing. And it really, it's starting to feel like spring. First, mm-hmm. we think of it as, as our first spring. And because it's kind of making, it's not quite made up its mind whether it's spring or not. We'll have these real nice, warm, beautiful days and the animals will be out and the bees will even be out and then it'll snow (laughs) and it'll drop down. Yesterday it was, it was like 15 degrees, which I think what's that like negative eight or nine in Celsius Celsius, and now, you know, I'm a little bit too warm in my short sleeves. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a strange time of year, but it's feeling, you can feel spring. It's really quite, it's a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, I have some of that sort of paradoxical experience today, actually. It's the air temperature is actually not all that warm. I think it's around 60 degrees, but in the sun, it feels very temperate and wonderful. So I am in shorts for the first time this year, uh, pulled them out and put them on today. So that's kind of an exciting thing. I'm looking forward to a lot more days of shorts before days when it's so blazing hot that even shorts is too much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, where we are, we don't do shorts much at all because because you're at high altitude yeah so well for a lot of reasons there's prickly things but the more you can just keep the sun off your skin the cooler you're going to be yeah so yeah yeah. but also we should mention that the equinox this is something that has been observed all over the world by 
many, many cultures for millennia, because this is a point that has astronomical meaning as well. When we think mm -hmm. about Earth as a planet orbiting the sun, we often people will say, oh, the equinox is a point where there's equal night and day. That's really only going to be the case if you are on the equator. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be the case when you're at higher um, latitudes, whether those are north or south. But it is the point when the plane that, imagine Earth's equator as a plane reaching out into space. And then also imagine another plane, which is the plane that we orbit around the sun on. When we're crossing, those two planes are touching each other. That's the moment in our orbit that we are around the sun. Right. And as you say, there have been many um, celebrations of that around the world. My favorite is that in Japan, the uh, spring equinox is Happiness Day, Ooh. which I think we could use a lot more of in the world. So that's a pretty cool thing, Happiness Day. I don't know anything about how it gets celebrated, but I would imagine that it's got some, you know, contemporaneous quality with the blooming of cherry blossoms and you know all of the wonderful spring things that we see mm -hmm. uh, around this time of year so we wanted to talk a little bit about how we celebrate uh this holiday as i said i consider this to be high spring so it's kind of it's kind of the moment when we've stopped the dreaming and planning phase that winter and uh the cold months uh, bring us, you know, where the ideas get germinated or, or rather where they, the ideas just get, you know, created in yeah. the first place and where plans are made about what you're seeking to do over the course of the, of the year. And then along comes high spring and well at least where i am the ground isn't frozen anymore and you can start doing things like sprouting new plants for a garden and implementing those plans that you had previously and it's it's exciting it, it's a time when work can begin and i think that that's kind of a common thread that runs through celebrations of this time of year all around the world it's a time of waking up from the long sleep of winter and really kind of getting going again. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have those themes as well. It's also the time for us when we uh, tilt our solar panels into their summer position. Hmm. So we switch them twice a year and now it's enough that, okay, we can tilt it back. It was really, really um, steep angle in the winter. And now we can lean it back and be catching that sun that's higher in the sky and just feel like we got to get to work. Uh-huh. Yeah. We also have a very brief period of time where we can get lots of work done outside and the rattlesnakes haven't woken up yet. Uh-huh. Because once they wake up, you've got to be a lot more careful about right. stomping around outside. Of course. Of course. Yeah. We have a lot of rattlesnakes in Sonoma County, but not really in the domesticated areas. So mm -hmm. I don't really have to worry about that unless I'm going on a hike in a state park or something like that. The And it's warm enough here that snakes are active. At this already. Point. Yeah. yeah they're, they're already active and, uh, and aggressive, actually, because they're hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, they haven't they haven't done much over the course of the winter. And now they're now they're out to get something. Oh, yeah. 
Well, our mammals are definitely waking up. We've got lots of little chipmunks and things, and they don't do a true hibernation. Uh, they'll come out during the warm days in the winter just to kind of stock up on, on what they can find. But they've, they're definitely out and about and having their little chipmunk wars and fighting mm -hmm. with the other creatures. It's a lot of fun to watch that. <laughs> but it's also the time where, at least for my area, this is when a lot of the birds are beginning their mating rituals. This is when if mm -hmm. you keep chickens, this is when a lot of the laying picks back up because many of them will lay less during the winter just because of the light that's triggered by mm -hmm. you know, how much um, light there is. And we've never been the folks to want to put lights in their coops to try and force them to lay more. So this is a time that we start to think about uh, the really celebrating the birds and mm -hmm. the eggs. And so we've been gathering, we have several years worth of collected feathers that we gather and we put them on, on little strings and hang them up around the house just to remember that whole part of the ecosystem that is, it's an important piece on its own, but it's also really critical for our survival. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I mean, as you say, I mean, one of the reasons why celebrations at this time of year are uh, deeply associated with eggs is that it's the first high protein food source that's been available, that's been abundantly available to people following the winter. Uh, and so people all over the world, people above the Arctic Circle celebrate, you know, eating eggs at this time, gathering and eating eggs at this time of year. People um, in Eastern and Central Europe are known for the amazing decorations that they can do of the 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 chicken eggs and goose eggs, um, particularly the Ukrainian pasanki. I have a uh, a Ukrainian pasanki goose egg, which I'm going to be putting on my altar because of Ukraine as yeah. well as the season. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it it's a very old tradition to celebrate birds and uh, laying and eggs at this time of year. Yeah, and bunnies. Because, yes. yep, <laughs> the bunnies, they, they're like the other small mammals, they're coming back out and, and doing their thing. So, right, right. Yeah. Yep. And the opportunity to eat rabbit and eat eggs is something that was really a big deal to European antecedents after living on stored root vegetables for months. Uh, it, well, mostly uh, dried meat. It would have been right, very, right. you know, they would have been in and good state of keto for, for a couple months at that point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the coming out, okay, it's a cyclical. Now we can start eating some of the green stuff again. And oh, by the time we get to the autumn, and then that's when we've got all the fruits and honey and right. all that good stuff. But it just, it's, we know that things are still alive and it's not that things are being reborn in the spring, but it's like they're waking up. They're yes. coming back. And some things, yeah, some things have very short periods of time, you know, your annual plants, but that seed wasn't dead that whole time. It was just laying dormant in the ground, waiting for the right conditions to pop up and sprout. And right. we're still and a few weeks from that, but it sounds like where you are there. Oh, it's, that's what's happening. Yeah. It's well underway. Yeah. And it's not a big surprise that people in, you know, 
in prior times believed that uh, things were coming back to life because they didn't really understand, you know, humans don't hibernate. We, mm -hmm. we demand way too much energy to be able to do that. Uh, and so our understanding of the way that life worked was, you know, well, when you lie down and stop having activity, you're dead. So if you then stand up and start having activity again, you, you, you've come back to life. And so the, the metaphor of rebirth is something that's sown very deeply into spring. And of course, Christians celebrate that with the resurrection. And, you know, mm -hmm. there are all kinds of traditions that go along with that. And, you know, I suspect that, I suspect that there was an intellectual understanding that there was a difference there, but it didn't matter because it was sure the, the two concepts were close enough that it might as well be that. And so why, why distinguish between that linguistically and, and in your stories and, and myth, right? Because I think that we definitely know that, okay, the bear, you can see the bear is slowly breathing. breathing. You know that they're alive, right? right. They're, but they're going to come back. Understanding what was happening with plants, I think might've been trickier in terms of, but we've been saving seeds, you know, for 10,000 years. So I, I'd be cautious to, to, sometimes we can act like, oh, the humans of today, we know so much more than the humans of the past. And I think we have access to more information more quickly, but we weren't dumb. I mean, we were, no, I, I, I wasn't yeah. in any way implying that that's what we were. But on the other hand, the, the concept of spontaneous generation mm -hmm. was something that persisted for a couple of thousand years. Uh, the idea that, that rotting meat spontaneously generated maggots and flies. Right. You know, this there was this, something in the air. Yeah. We there didn't... was a, a magical process that happened that suddenly brought forth life from death. And it took a long time before we understood that that's not the way that things work. And there was this entire microbial world that we just couldn't see mm -hmm. where things were taking place. The, yeah. And that when that idea was introduced, it was um, a lot of people did not like that. Oh, because round, it was a total, yeah. <laughs> roundly disapproved. <laughs> yeah. Um, even when they were, you know, able to see it in those, those amazing early microscopes, there was still a lot of thought of, oh, this is trickery of some kind. This can't, you know. But, well, and even as late as the mid 19th century, the the Roman idea of disease as spread by bad air, mm -hmm. which of course in Latin is malaria, was still very much the dominant paradigm in among scientists. And this led to terrible problems. Mm -hmm. the, the intake for drinking water in London was downstream of the outflow for their <laughs> sewers. Yeah. And they had terrible cholera outbreaks. And it wasn't until a scientist whose name escapes me, uh, put, you know, actually, and, and what was most frustrating about all this from, from today's standpoint is that they were collecting all the data that could have told them that that model didn't work. And they just weren't looking at the pattern yeah, because they were so sure that it was bad air that was causing disease. Right. Which is, so, which is on to something in some circumstances. It's not bad air but you, that things can be passed air, yeah right sure so sure you see that that's something that could have been observed in the past and it worked in certain circumstances but then we just applied it to everything right and you know that's because galen 
because Galen said so. Be- because Galen, which yeah. was the explanation for pretty much everything in medicine for more than a thousand years. Humans, uh, according to anatomical texts, humans had gizzards up through the point where dissections were finally allowed. But until Vesuvius, who started actually doing human dissections and drawings of what he was actually finding, it was believed that humans had gizzards because Galen had dissected chickens and had assumed that they had that humans had all of the same structural parts. What did they think we used our gizzards for? They didn't ask that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was not familiar with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah, Galen was the standard mm-hmm. for nearly 2,000 years. It's really remarkable. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful book called The Ghost Map which is about the, the overthrowing of the, the bad air mm-hmm. uh, paradigm uh, based on the cholera outbreaks in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's sort of a scientific whodunit. It's well, well worth reading. I recommend it. Well, well that was a we tangent. Get, how do we get onto that? <laughs> oh, spontaneous generation. Right, and, yes. Uh, so you know, the life, coming back to life. Right, waking coming up. back to life. Yeah, but the, so that... That reawakening is is something that I think a lot of places, depending on what's happening in their their climate, but that that's shared in a lot of different um, equinox celebrations is, mm-hmm. hey, we're waking up. <laughs> right. And so you'll see on the altars, you'll see flowers mm-hmm. and eggs and symbols of rabbits Mm-hmm. And birds and you know it's it's very common for example to have some sort of a bird for a special dinner mm-hmm. like a, a chicken or a goose or something like that although i easter is associated with ham i'm not quite sure how that fits into the model well um, and lamb oh and lamb yeah yes. lamb and that has the like but that the lamb makes sense from just the mythology perspective of you know jesus being the shepherd and all of that but also just the timing wise right Right. so you would have a little bit earlier on the the goats and the kids and the lambs would have been born and then you're gonna end up you can't support the whole herd you just had a whole bunch come in so probably you're gonna eat some end up eating some of the males and this is around the time that that you do that and then you know, you keep your larger flock and you're going to later on, you'd have your mutton, but, but the lamb is, a, is a very different kind of taste and meat and experience it is, that just yeah. lines up at the right time. Yep. The ham, I think, I, I, I don't know. We'd have to check, but I think that's more of just of an American tradition that that was yeah, what was be. available. But if someone knows the history to that, we eat a lot less lamb and sheep here than people do in other parts of the world, including Europe. And it may just be that that just got swapped out. That might be the case. Yeah. I mean, that's our main, that's our, our main houses is household diet is, you know, bovine based. So lamb and beef and, and that sort of thing. So, Mm -hmm. but that's not super common for the whole, the overarching culture. No. So, so, We've talked about the kinds of things that you might find on altars for a, mm-hmm. an equinox celebration. Um, the sorts of things that people do in rituals are often around the themes we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how shall I put it? Revitalization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not 
it's not actually coming back to life, but it's the world is suddenly very busy. There's a lot of business taking place yeah. when a month before there wasn't so much, at least that you could see. There may have been things going on under the ground and in the microbial realm, but mm-hmm. most fungi. Right. It, it's slow. It's just very slow when things are cold. Life is that way. Mm-hmm. And so now, as it gets warmer, suddenly there is a lot of work to be done because growth seasons are limited. Mm-hmm. And food stores in seeds are limited, right? So they better get to work or they're not going to be strong and vital enough to reproduce. Yeah. So those are those are themes that we can bring into our own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the revitalization of our efforts, the, the sort of rejuvenation, you know, a return to some youthfulness, right? Uh, some vigor of the kind that we see among those that are young. So we can make commitments to various things that help us to feel vital and active. Uh, The weather has improved in most places. So people go outside more and do more kind of outdoor active activities. All of those are good things for celebrating the spring. Right. And another common theme, this one for me isn't as a big of a thing, but for many people, the equinox or the equinoxes are a time of balance mm-hmm. because you've got the balance of the night and the day. And although it's it's not going to be perfect, it's pretty close to being balanced. And so for some people, that's a really important element of it is to be thinking about, you know, the the dark and the light in our lives and in our efforts and our experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a temperance quality that many celebrate around this time of year. The the idea being, uh, yes, be enthusiastic, but also uh, be responsible, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, be uh, fun loving, but also pay your bills, <laughs> that kind of thing, right? Because when you've been cooped up in winter conditions for months it can be easy to go a little crazy once yeah when, once, oh, you're once you can stretch again <laughs> yep yeah oh. uh and so the the temperance aspect the the balance aspect of the equinoxes reminds us well that's great but you know <laughs> uh use your wisdom you know yeah. you have a, you've accumulated some life experience go ahead and apply that so that you're you're still safe and and take care of yourself. Yeah. So are there any particular traditions that you have for the equinox? Well, back in the before days, Mm -hmm. uh, before COVID, what we liked to do was to have a little gathering of friends and particularly friends who had kids. And we would get together and dye eggs and make little uh, equinox baskets with real grass, not plastic grass, uh, which is the weirdest. Don't even get me started. Um, and, uh, and candy and things like that. And we would play childhood games. Mm-hmm. We drink pink lemonade and play Candyland or shoots and ladders, you know, the, the kinds of things that people in elementary school, you know, can really enjoy. And Mm -hmm. so it was a day that was mostly focused around children. 
And that's also consistent with the thing that I do, which I've mentioned on the podcast before, which is to map the arc of a human life onto the wheel of the year. Mm -hmm. So that this time becomes the time that's kind of about kids from the age of maybe three or four up until they're say 11 or 12 when they start becoming teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, so childhood really. Yes. Childhood. Right. Cause before that, you know, before three, like, yeah, there's a tod- sort of toddler, but it's like, that's like infancy and toddlerhood, which is a little bit different. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that actually is more the February Sabbath, right? The, mm-hmm. you know, the between the equinox and the winter solstice that's that's much more around infancy and you know that the the very beginnings of life mm-hmm. so um i i like to do that for a couple of reasons and one of them is that i think it's valuable to have a holiday that really centers children the i mean to some degree you will can do that depending on how you celebrate it Sure. But I think that it's it's healthy in its way to have a a holiday that centers each cohort of life, whether it's, you know, kind of robust adulthood, you know, responsibility, taking care of things, learning, being in the full vigor of your adult vitality, or whether it's being middle-aged or whether it's being an elder. And then of course you get to hallows and that's around death and composting and the part of the cycle that we don't experience. I just, I I really see value in uh, having celebrations like that around the course of the year. So, because there are some of those phases where people feel invisible and unappreciated, particularly in middle age and then in, in elderhood. But also, I think children can get shunted aside quite a bit oh. by gatherings of adults. And it's, it, I, I think setting aside a time that's specifically for kids that way is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I remember you telling, telling us about that. Well, the, uh, so three equinoxes ago, actually, this was one of our first episodes, right? I think we had one, maybe it was the equinox, maybe our second episode. I think so. Yeah. So I think that's great. Yes. And then our fourth fourth was about COVID. Oh, I know. So (laughs) as soon as we started, everything changed. Right. And I remember us going there's this thing that's kind of starting in the world. Do you think we should maybe mention this a little bit? Oh, let's see how it goes. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, yeah. This, is, this is here for a while. This, this, this is, is going to really change here. things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yep. So how about you? How do you, I, I, I hear that you're celebrating the birds and the, you know, the avian communities. What are the kinds of observances that you do for this time of year? Well, a lot of things as the the family is starting to grow you know we've transitioned from you know, what our personal private practices were as individuals to you know how do we do this as a family and and the kids are the the youngest is three now mm-hmm. so and the oldest is five and a half we got to put that half in she's very insistent on that um, well, but that's think about what, what it's a big di- of that life of her it, life that is it is i that remember being the same way big percentage it's huge yes so five and a half very different than five but you know they are old enough to be participating in most 
things. You know, they can't carry as heavy things as we can, but sure. you know, they can carry the stick while I carry the rest of the firewood or whatever it is. And there's just a lot that is is happening in the world in terms of our I'm not talking about the world as in town and city and stuff, but just in terms of like our little piece of land and all the things that need to happen. And so there's just a lot of doing this time of year that started Mm -hmm. doing and observing. And we did several fires. Um, We have a little campfire in the Mm -hmm. winter, but it was a lot harder to do that when it was really cold and so yeah. you know we're starting to have some nights where we can be out and at the the fire again and that sort of thing and just finding finding little pieces of stuff and and it's still just a tad early for the planting for us but the week after march we'll probably start some of our starts inside that need a long time like the tomatoes for instance any of the tomatoes and peppers and um, things like that that really need a long uh, mm-hmm. melons don't tend to do very well here but if we were to do melons we'd start the melons that sort of thing so the greenhouse is getting ready to go and and it's just that that time where like you were saying the planning part is done now it's the now it's the get going the start going yeah but then we still have a few days where oh the cold will come back and you can just snuggle in with the cup of cocoa and just be like, okay, I don't have to do anything today. It's too miserable out there. <laughs> so that's really what it is for us. And then loving having the, the feathers everywhere. That's just mm-hmm. really kind of, and we've tied a few little bells to some of them. So we'll have like a string with feathers on it and a bell on the bottom. And sometimes when you walk by, the feathers will just move in the air and the cat has gotten quite a few of them. <laughs> so some, if you really like one of the feathers you've got to put it out of reach of the cat because he'll I get those see. <laughs> so, it's just a lovely lovely yeah. time yeah that's that's wonderful yeah i really i really like the sound of that yeah i'm i'm reminded when you talk about your winter fires those are the fires where the front half of you is warm and the back <laughs> half of you is freezing <laughs> yeah and i'm one of those people who gets cold really easily i don't have a lot uh, on me so i put just a ridiculous amount of blankets we have some outdoor blankets so that we can Uh, just be a bundle of blankets and even then it's like okay how close can i get to the fire safely with all of my blankets (laughs) and then the smoke like the wind changes and goes in your face and then you switch to the other chair and it follows you (laughs) right yeah Yeah. because inevitably yeah yeah it just does that so Yeah, I'm thinking of burning a fire in my fire pit for the actual equinox day. I'm going to be doing a little ritual with, uh, with the local cups group, Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans group Hmm, in my local area. That's, that's a national uh, network of Unitarian pagan groups. Folks, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I'm, I'm, very uninterested in Unitarianism itself. I like their values a lot, but the 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 Filthy churchy, yeah, and and just not alive enough for me. Not not energetic and you know, kind of body based. Uh, so many of the things that we've talked about. I mean, I I go to a Unitarian service and I just want to take my clothes off and start beating a drum. It's like, come on, people, be be animals now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is because many people who are who are Unitarians are atheists or agnostics. 
and they're very sort of heady and intellectual. And the reason that they're doing Unitarianism is because it's very open-minded and it has very progressive values and they're very activist in their orientation. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of good reasons for people to be interested in that. And um, they're very widespread too. They are. You can, in, in a lot of different communities, you can find a group. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'll be doing that. But I think that when I get home, I'm probably going to light a little fire and sit on my patio and maybe I'll drink a non-alcoholic beer. Mm. I found one that I really like. Yeah, there's actually a non-alcoholic beer that's good. It's made by Lagunitas and it's called IPNA for non-alcoholic. Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, that's what I've been drinking lately. I am now 10 weeks into my six month alcohol fast. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a good thing. I've lost weight, of course, mm -hmm. because alcohol is has a lot. There's, there's no more empty calorie than an <laughs> alcohol calorie. Yeah. And even a small amount is not easy on your liver. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that whole, the whole system. Yeah. So do you, where, in your new home, do you have a space? You talked about the patio. Is there, but do you have something that's built in or do you have one of those little, what are they called? Like the Roman fire pits? Like the bowls? Oh, it's not and... built in. No, it's a, it's a, a an iron frame, mm -hmm. sort of a bowl. Yeah. And then there's also a spark arrester, which is a grill mm -hmm. that can go over the top of it to keep sparks from flying off, which I would use later in the year. I'm not very worried about fire now, but later in the year I would use it because we've had a lot of wildfires here and people are pretty twitchy about fire. Right. Yeah. Um, we, ha we have a similar setup here. It's a, an area that's cleared. There's no trees for, you know, several several meters at least and in the middle and then we've got the bowl that it mm -hmm. sits in and the little screen like you're talking about but I mean the screen we don't use until a little bit later in the fire because you have to lift it off and put your right. wood in put or something you're tending in. to yeah. it yeah but just you you know we use a lot of safety around that the fire does not get left mm -hmm. and it's bad for the iron bowl but we pour water on it afterwards too um, yeah, our rusted one out that way. Ours <laughs> cut holes in the bottom. It's in it. a place where the rain can drip on it, so it's getting a little thin. Mm -hmm. Might have to get another one sometime soon. Yeah, but it's really important to have a place where you can have a fire. I, it's just of all the pagan things, I think having a fire is pretty mm -hmm. important. Yeah. So. What else do we have for for talking about the the equinox season? Just excited that we're here. There's new things beginning. Actually, you have a a new thing coming up that listeners oh, could be involved in that's if they're interested. Right. Thank you for reminding me. I am teaching a class starting on the 27th of March and it will be three 90-minute sessions every other Sunday. So These are this is a live class, right? Over Zoom. Over Zoom. Live, a live class over Zoom. The title of the class is Ethiopaganism, the Cleric's Path. And so the focus, it, it'll go into, you know, what Ethiopaganism is and perspectives on the world and all that kind of stuff. But the main focus is really on 
if you decide that you want to become an ordained cleric, which you can do at the Ethiopian Society website for free, mm-hmm. you just have to indicate that you endorse the Ethiopian principles. But that is a community service role. And so this class is about the kinds of things that you can do as a cleric, like how to design rituals for weddings or funerals, how to do rites of passage, how to do ministerial counseling for people, and how to know when to refer to refer someone to a professional, how to uh, do prison ministry, or uh, I don't like that word ministry, um, yeah. prison outreach, say, mm-hmm. you know, to support people that are being pagans or atheists or both in prisons or in hospices, or in hospitals, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a really cool class. I'm excited about it. And it's 75 bucks for the whole class. And there are details about it on the Ethiopagan website, which is atheopaganism.org. If you're in the Facebook group, there's also an event uh, that you can look for uh, that will give you all the details about it. And uh, I hope you'll join us. I Uh, I've already got a bunch of registrants and I think it's going to be a really cool class. So hope that if that's something that interests you, that you'll, you'll come along. And since it's a a live class, you get a chance to participate, right? This isn't just texting back and forth. So when you have questions and want clarifications, then Mark, you can be responding in an organic and, you know, awakened a live way that's right this exactly spring. yeah and the sessions are going to be recorded so what that will do is if you have to miss a session we'll just send you a link right. and you can then watch the the session that you missed mm-hmm. so you know i just and and there will be time you know for me to help you with your personal practice if that's something that you're interested in we i i just I think it's going to be a really cool thing. I'm excited about it. I'm designing the participant packet now. And I just, I think it's going to be really cool. So yeah, sounds like a ton of fun. So, and will you tell us again where, where everyone can find that? Yeah, you can find information about it. There's a post on the blog, the Ethiopian blog, which is atheopaganism.org or in the Facebook group, there is an event in, in the group that you can look for, the cleric's path. If you're just curious about it and can't remember those things or can't find it, go ahead and send us an email at the podcast email address and I will respond to it. And that is thewonderpodcastqs at gmail.com. Thewonderpodcastqs at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, and we love hearing from all of you We've gotten just some amazing emails over the years. And if you have ideas and suggestions for our next hundred podcasts, we'd really (laughs) love to to hear from you. We certainly would. Yes. And thanks so much to the folks that have written in thus far. We we read everything that gets sent to us and we've uh, themed some shows on ideas that people have sent us. And pretty soon, coming up in May... We're going to do a live podcast broadcast from from the Sun Tree Retreat, which is the Ethiopian gathering that's happening in Colorado Springs. And so during the lunch break on one of the days, 
we're going to broadcast from there and we can interview people about the experience they're having at the retreat and all that kind of stuff. So you'll be able to be plugged in, even if you aren't able to go to the event itself. Yeah. Which still has just a few spots, right? Yeah. I, I think we've got eight spots left. That's the last that, that I heard was that we had eight spots. So if left. you're interested and you've been holding off it, now is the time to, to register. Right. Yeah. And it's a very affordable event. I mean, the event itself with lodging and meals mm-hmm. comes in at around $300. If you're staying in, in the yurt accommodations, you can, you can pay for a private room, that kind of stuff. It ends up costing more, but um, you know, that's a hundred dollars a day for all this wonderful programming activity. And you do, of course, have to get yourself to Colorado Springs. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the tricky part. But that is near Denver. If you're flying or you know as right I off of i-25 if you're driving so right as i understand it it's about another 35 dollars one way to go from denver to colorado springs airport that's that's what i heard so mm-hmm. um not not that much to get very close and the colorado springs airport is about 30 minutes away by lift from the retreat center costs about $33 uh, for a lift is my understanding. So it's very doable and we hope to see you there. Yeah. In the meantime, thank you so much for being a part of the first hundred episodes of the wonder science-based paganism. And we are, you know, delighted to be a part of your life. Thanks so much. Thank you everyone.